What's up, Southcrest Church? Give it up for the work going on around the world that you get to play a part in. Gosh, my heart is so full right now. I'm telling you what, Sundays are just the greatest days ever. Let's not take that for granted, y'all. Southcrest is awesome, man. We get to come in here and worship with our friends and our families. And, you know, I'm not saying that just because I work here. Uh, I'm, my wife and I, we fell in love with Southcrest long before uh, we were ever hired here. Uh, Southcrest is awesome, man. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, it's a great place. Uh, my name is Matt McFadden. I'm the creative arts pastor here. And Pastor Sean asked me to step in and uh, share this last message of sweet emotion. But before we jump into this... Uh, I want to ask a question. Are you a parent of a completed fifth grader through twelfth grader? Anybody in here a parent of that age group? Awesome, awesome. Listen, today is the deadline for beach camp, okay? I think it may be tomorrow. You can sign up through today. And if you don't have your kids signed up for beach camp, please, listen, don't let them miss this opportunity. It's going to be incredible. I'm a product of summer camp. I think a lot of you guys are probably also products of summer camp. And uh, my dad was actually a student pastor for many years. He always was pushing me to summer camps out in Dallas, Texas. And they changed my life. You know, and when you can get your student out of their normal environment, you know, out of the house, out of school, or out of the, the group of kids that they may be hanging out with, get them out of their element, completely focused on Jesus, Man, I'm telling you what, that's a catalyst to see some things change in their lives and in the school's lives. And, and it's just a snowball effect for Jesus. So please, get your kids signed up. Don't let them miss this opportunity. It's going to be incredible. There's a parent meeting happening right after this service. So hang out. Stay. Stay uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about that. Well, awesome. Let's jump into this. Sweet Emotion Week 4. Have you guys been enjoying this series? Anybody been enjoying the series? Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. You can talk back. It's all right. It's all right. I, I'm, we can talk. But yeah, man, this series, this series has really helped me. And it's actually really challenged me in a lot of areas. And here's what I love, the, the angle that we took. You know, a lot of times we hear that our emotions are wrong and we shouldn't feel this way. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't act like that, you know. But the reality of the matter is we were, at, we were made with emotions. God had emotions. We we're made in His image. So guess what? We got emotions, you know. And so how we deal with these emotions is important, okay? How we filter them through the truth of God's Word is the way we need to live our lives. And I love, that's the, the angle that, that we've taken on this one. Pastor asked me uh, a couple of months ago to step in and preach, and um, I, I wanted to share on this topic of joy, okay? And let me start by posing this question. Is there a joy that is greater than any disappointment we will ever face in life? Is there actually a joy that skates over the hardest of hardships? You know, I know a lot of us ask that question. There are a lot of things that we deal with in life, and there's a lot of things going on in the world, and I know a lot of us probably ask that question. Man, is there actually joy in life that's greater than the greatest of disappointments? Um, joy defined. Let's look at what, you know, the, the, the world defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Let me ask you this. What happens if our being isn't so well? Or what happens if our success isn't so successful? Maybe we're a little successful, but we want to be more successful. We want to have more things and items and money. Or if our fortune isn't so good, what happens if, uh, man, you know, we just kind of struggle. I mean, just struggling, going through life, and I just don't, I just don't have joy. You know, I don't have joy according to what the world describes it as. 
Think of a time in your life when you experienced disappointment. I know we all can think of times in our life when we experience disappointment. You know, they, they come in all sizes, small to very big disappointments. Maybe your favorite sports team lost the big game. Caleb Warren, uh, you guys know Caleb. He, anytime the University of Duke wins, he experiences the emotion of anger. He hates that. He actually calls it University of Puke. He hates it that much, so he just does not like Duke. And uh, so, yeah, man, from your favorite sports team losing to maybe your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, you may be ready to share those three uh, words, and maybe, the, the, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend is already on to the next person. They don't even care about you, man. You're disappointed, and those emotions that come with that are pretty devastating. Um, got a couple of videos to illustrate this. How many of y'all been in this situation? Kevin from The Office, okay? Kevin, he's so, look at his smile on his face. He is so excited. He baked this, I mean, he cooked this pot of chili for The Office, carries it up there. He's all excited only to spill it in the floor. So what would anybody do? We call for the five-second rule, man. Five-second rule, get the clipboard, get to scooping that junk, scoop that junk up, save it. Save that, save that chili. That was too, no, clipboard ain't enough. File folder, man, going for the file folder. There we go, pour it in there, and only to begin to roll around in... It's chilly. Kevin was disappointed that day. Um, another one, I'm a musician, and uh, this one is a little bit closer to home. Limp Biscuit is on stage. They won an award over Rage Against the Machine. Bass player from Rage Against the Machine was so upset, he climbs on stage on TV, climbs up this structure, and tries to tear it down in the middle of the broadcast. So he's like, whatever, dude. I don't even care, man. I'm upset. It's not right. I should have won. So they finally, they get him down. Like, this is on TV. It's happening live, okay? So his disappointment drove him to do something just absolutely crazy. Um, Y'all know, probably a couple years ago, Taylor Swift and Kanye West. Taylor won. She's like, oh my God, I I love. She's always doing that, you know, so excited, yay, happy. You know, there's Pink. She's happy for her. She's excited. Kanye, not so excited. Kanye steps up on stage, snatches the mic from her and says, I'm going to let you finish, Taylor. Hold on. But Beyonce, she had the best video of all time. And uh, so, yeah, his disappointment and his emotions got the best of him so much, it drove him to actually kind of make him look ridiculous. Um, So, yeah, man, day-to-day disappointments all the way up to people saying, Matt, I feel like my life is a failure, you know, to heavy disappointments. Here's something we all know. Disappointments in life, they happen. How we handle these disappointments tells us a lot about ourselves. Turn with me in your Bible to Romans 8. We're going to look at what God has to say about hardships. Um, there seems to be this myth in Christianity that once I say yes to Jesus, once I pray to see, you know, and I'm going to church, life is supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be full of little puppy dogs and flower petals and a swimming pool full of money. Like, I want to be swimming in that, that money pit like, uh, was it DuckTales back in the day, man? Counting money, just swimming through that junk, you know? There's this myth that life is just perfect, man, and we're just, this is it. We're ready, you know? Uh, but let's look at what God actually has to say about hardships. Romans eight twenty eight. this is what Paul says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is a uh, refrigerator magnet verse. Everybody has this verse plastered everywhere. We love this verse in Christianity. It's, it's on our t-shirts and it's on bumper stickers. And man, you know, just this God's going to work it out for the good. And somehow in our minds, what we do is we, maybe we don't twist it, but, but we seem to think that what this is saying is, is that life is going to be good. 
But what is this promise actually really saying? This promise is actually saying that all things will happen to Christians. Turn to your neighbor and say, all things. All things will happen to Christians. Christian circumstances are not any, any better than the person who doesn't even believe in Jesus. That's what, Paul is, that's what Paul is saying. That's what this promise is saying. And if you don't believe me, just glance down. If you've got your Bibles, glance down a little bit to verse 30, 35. You don't believe me? Look at it. What does it say? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall peril, tribulation, the sword, death, can all this stuff separate us from God? You know, it's what, it's what Paul's talking about there. And that's not a list of, of happy, you know, puppy dogs and, 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 you know, whatever. That's actually kind of a tough list. And so that's... That's what Paul's saying here. So, so what is this promise saying? This promise is not better things are going to happen to me when I become a Christian. The promise is God turns all things into good effect. So, yay, Matt, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, you know, the situation that I've dealt with in my past or what I'm dealing with right now is really difficult. What good effect are you talking about, man? This good effect is that when we suffer, when we go through hardships, when we're dealing with our, the emotions that come along with that, the good is that we actually become more like Christ. We come, become more like Christ. The very next verse, a lot of times we separate 28 and 29. We just love that bad boy right there. We bracket it. We, you know, we, we highlight it. We put it on our desktop, on the laptop, whatever it is. We've got to keep it connected to 29. Because this is what 29 says, for, see that's, that's the reason you keep it connected. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. This word formed right here is from Greek called, it's morphe. It's where we get our, our word metamorphosis. And all that means is to change, to be shaped and to be molded. And every time we go through a hardship, what is God doing? Man, he's shaping us. Man, he is molding us. Yeah, it may be difficult. It may be hard. And your emotions may be telling you something else. But God is shaping you and he is forming you to become more like Jesus, man. That's, it's hard, but it's awesome, okay? You know, a lot of times we ask the wrong question. How many, how many of you have ever heard this question? Why do good things, or sorry, why do bad things happen to Christians? Why do bad things happen to Christians? Well, I really feel like that's the wrong question. I really feel like the right question is, how is this situation making me more like Christ? That's the right question to ask. Man, and here, here's what I'm not standing in front of you saying. I'm not saying it's easy, okay? Life is difficult. These emotions that well up in us when we're dealing with the situation or a hardship or a trial, it's difficult. But we have to ask ourselves that question, God, what are you teaching me through this? How, how am I becoming more like you through this situation? How are you molding me? You know, all through the study and looking at this, one thing I, I've learned is we can't be surprised by hardships. Don't be surprised by hardships. When we're surprised by hardships, man, it just magnifies the issue even bigger, and it makes the situation worse. And when you knock your food in the floor out of the oven, you know, or whatever situation may be going through in your life, we can't be surprised by that. We've got to know that hardships actually happen. Peter, 1 Peter I'm going to jump around to a lot of scriptures today, so if you don't want to flip to them, that's okay. They're going to be right here on, this, on the screen. First Peter, Peter's talking to a bunch of Christians. Here's what he says. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you are participating in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Listen, don't be surprised by hardships, okay? They're going to happen. They're going to happen to us. They're in life. And, and we got to learn how to deal with that. In 1871, there was a guy, 
fairly wealthy businessman. His name was Horatio. And uh, he took all of his money and uh, he invested it into some real estate in North Chicago. Okay, took all of his money, that nest egg. He said, all right, man, I'm going to invest this. I want to make some money. Put it in real estate, burned to the ground. Everything he owned, burned to the ground, burned up. So this dude was just, you know, two years later, he's like, we need a vacation. Let's go on a vacation. We need to go to Disney World. We need to go somewhere and relax, okay? So obviously Disney World went around, but they went to England. He packs up his whole family. They get on a ship. They go ahead because he had to stay back for some business stuff that he was working through. And on the way over, the ship sank. His four daughters drowned. His wife was the only one to survive. She gets over to England, and she writes a letter back and says something along the lines of, uh, only survive. I'm the only survivor. I survived alone. So I, I could venture to say he was going through a hardship. He was going through a very difficult time in his life. So he finally gets on this ship. He uh, hops on board, and as he's crossing over the area where that ship wrecked, he penned the song, the hymn, It Is Well. Over top of the area, we just sang it a minute ago, he penned that song, that hymn, over where he just lost his daughters, his four daughters. And I'm kind of frustrated at that because, like, if I, if I was Horatio, I'd be kicking stuff and I'd be angry and I'd be flipping out. But Horatio, he, he just sat down, he penned that song, and he says, you know what? It is well. It is well with me. It's well with my soul. You know, I got to questioning, you know, it was like, did Horatio, did, he, did you have something, man, that, that I don't have? Did you have secrets to dealing with life's hardships? That I don't have, and the truth is, we have everything available to us that Horatio had. Here's the truth, here's the point I want us all to walk away today. Our joy in life does not come from avoiding life's problems, but on applying God's solution to those problems. Because we can't, we can't avoid these problems. Guys, we we can't. Okay, I'm sorry to be a Debbie Downer today. Y'all probably didn't come here. Wanting this kind of message. Oh, man, it's Debbie Downer. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to be that, but uh, I, I just want to bring that truth. Okay? Our joy in life doesn't come from avoiding life's problems, but on applying God's solution to those problems. So what are those solutions? I want to step through four of them real quick. And, you know, when Pastor asked me to preach this message um, about two months ago, you know, I began, on, began a journey on studying this word joy or rejoicing or finding our fulfillment in Him. Man, and I'm telling you what, it's an overwhelming topic in God's Word, okay? It's all, it's everywhere through the Bible, okay? And I, you know, we could literally talk four weeks on this whole topic of joy. Um, and, and what I felt was sitting in my office over there, I literally felt Jesus saying this, Matt. He's, he's, he's literally saying this, exactly, exactly. Matt, I'm begging you, come find your joy in me. Matt, I'm, I'm just, I'm pleading with you. Listen to me. Come find your fulfillment in me. I'm the only one that knows how to fulfill you. I'm the only one that knows what you truly need. Will you just come to me and not to everything else that you've ran to before? Will you come to me and find your joy and your fulfillment in me? So many times in life, man, we run. We run. When we go through something difficult, we run. We dip. And God is saying, Matt, please, find it here. So let's look at a few, just a few of these. You know, I had to chop this, chop this down uh, just so I don't go longer than three hours, because I'm, I'm going to preach for three hours. Is that okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to preach for three hours. 
Y'all got scared for a second, but that's all right. That's all right. First and foremost, the very first thing that we have to do when we want, when we are seeking our joy to be full in Jesus Christ, no matter what we deal with, we absolutely have to believe, first and foremost. If we don't have a right relationship with Jesus, listen, if you're on the outskirts of Christianity and you just kind of come to church to make, it, make yourself feel good and you're checking the box saying, well, I checked the box today, I'm good. Let me tell you something. You will seek for happiness, you will seek for joy your entire life, and you will never, ever find it. Ever. You'll never find it. Because our joy has to be found in Jesus. First John. Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. John is sitting here talking to a group of people. You know, he's, he's trying to, you know, he's an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus walk the earth. He's all jacked up, man. He's pumped, you know. He's, you know, excited. And this is what he says to a bunch of people. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, that which we've seen and heard, we declare to you. Okay, he's talking about Jesus again. That you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Underline that, highlight that. We're coming back to that, okay? That your joy may be full. So hold on, John. Are you telling me that I can actually have joy that is completely full? Because when I'm, what I go through in life, man, my business is struggling and I'm dealing with employees or... Or, man, I got two munchkins running around the house and they're breaking everything that they get their hands on or whatever, you know, whatever situation you got, you're telling me I can still have joy through it all? And the answer is yes. We have true joy in fellowship with Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, we enter into a genuine union and fellowship with Christ and he gives us a new life. Listen to me. God, he's never promised us better life circumstances. He's promised us a whole new life. And that's life in Him. And our joy has to be found in Him. It has to be found in what we see in Him. It has to be found in what we read and what we, how we worship Him. And it has to be found in Him and in Him alone. When our joy is full, it safeguards us from our emotions. When our joy is full, when it's all the way to the top and it's to the brim, it safeguards us from our emotions. I mean, well, how, how's another way to say that? When our joy isn't full, it leaves room for our emotions to get the best of us. And all of a sudden, we're upset and we're a bit out of shape. It's because our joy is not in Him. We haven't, believed, we haven't put our faith in Him and believed in Him and, came, and come into full, uh, true fellowship with Him, into union with Him. So number one, believe, man. We absolutely have to believe, 1 John 1, 3. Number two, we have to abide. I love, I love this one. Flip back over to John 15. John 15. And again, we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures. Just hang out with me. Hang on. We're going to, you know, they're going to be up here on the screen. 1 John 15. Jesus is addressing his disciples. A lot of people think that he's talking to them at the Last Supper. Okay? And here's what he says. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, I will abide in, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and Abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. There's that statement again, okay? There's that statement again. God, what are you trying to say to me? There's that statement one more time. I did a little word study on abide, and you know what that means is it means to stay in a given relation, 
to stay in a given relation. It means to endure. It means to endure. And when we're going through the, the, the most difficult of hardships, and when our, our world is just spinning out of control, it seems like, what are you going to do? Are you going to run? Are you going to flee? Are you going to look for something else to fulfill you? Are you going to stand? Are you going to abide in Jesus? God created us. He alone knows how to fulfill us. God created us. He alone knows how to fulfill us, man. It's almost our auto-response as Christians just to, to, to run and look for the next best thing, to look at social media, to look for you know, whatever it is that we're looking for. We just got to find something to put our hands on or I got to fulfill my, my, you know, this, these emotional needs. And what we really need to do is stand firm and abide in Him that our joy can be full. Okay? So let me encourage you. When, when life throws something at you that's difficult, stand. When life is hard, stand endure because he's the only one that can make our joyful that's it that's it all right that's abide that's number two number three moving along we absolutely have to ask okay the very next chapter over in john john's still addressing he's still talking to these people this this group of his disciples and and the disciples are all upset they're like man you're gonna leave us jesus you're leaving you know and and uh, that's where he talks about joy, sorrow into joy, and, and how he's going to turn their, their mourning into, you know, into gladness and all this stuff. And uh, he's leaving. He's going to the cross. You know, he's dying. He's going away. And, and what Jesus, in the middle of this conversation, what he actually ends up saying is, you've got to ask me. Okay, this is what it says. Let's look at this verse. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that you are what? Man, there's that statement again. So are you actually saying, God, are you telling me in your word that I can have fullness of joy? The answer is 100% yes. Are you going to go through hardships? Yes, but your joy can absolutely be full. Anybody ever read Psalms? Any, any book in Psalms? Yeah, of course, a lot of us have read Psalms. Yeah, cool. Well, Psalms is primarily written by David. There's a couple of other writers and. Um, it almost seems as though David's like this emotional schizophrenic. The dude seems like he is literally all over the map, all right? I pulled a couple of verses just to illustrate this. Psalms 13, this is what he says. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me, Lord? Where are you at? Upset. He's upset, all right? Next. You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Woo, I'm happy. You know, I can just see him. He's just skipping along. He's like, yeah, dog, I'm happy, you know. Next one. As a deer pants for the streams of water, oh, my soul pants for you, my God. I just love you. A little bit later. Why do you hide your face from me and forget our misery and oppression, God? This is horrible. Where are you at? Next one a little later. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. He is just literally all over the map. But what's the one thing, listen, what's the one thing in common that he did? He asked. He went to the Lord with every emotion that he felt. God, I want those people dead. God, I'm alone. I'm I'm feeling all by myself. God, this is so hard. God, I love you. God, I'm happy. God, I'm sad. God, I'm angry. David was in relationship with Christ, Christ, and he knew that he had to 
Go to him with every emotion. Listen to me. The enemy wants you to think you can't go to him. He wants you to think that you have to suppress these emotions. That you're, you're a Christian and you're not supposed to act this way. And you just need to hide it and you don't even need to talk to God about it. That's what the, the enemy wants you to think you can't. That you, that you have to hide it. What did, what did um, Adam and Eve do in the garden, man? When they sinned, what did they do? They ran. It's like an auto response to us. And what the Lord is saying back in, in John 16, he's saying, man, if you would just ask me, I'm going to answer you. That your joy may be full, man. We serve a God who is generous and he gives to us liberally. And anything that he withholds is not necessary in that moment. But if we would just go to him and pray to him, the answer is fullness of joy. He's going to answer us, man. That's just so incredible, man. This last one, um, and then we'll close, is um, one that's probably maybe the, the most difficult. Um, all through this book, man, I'm telling you, all through the, the scripture, number four is, is rejoice. Okay? Philippians 4, we, we know that the entire book of Philippians is written while Paul is literally in jail. He is in chains. I get bent out of shape when my food isn't the proper temperature and I got to microwave it. And now it's all rubbery and then I smash it on the floor. I don't do that. I don't smash it. But, you know, we just get bent out of shape so easily, man. We ain't happy about nothing. If it ain't just absolutely perfect, we ain't happy, Okay. Paul, on the other hand, is just, he's just all happy, man, and he's in jail, all right? This is what he says, man. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. <laughs> all right, man, cool, whatever. First Thessalonians, you know, a couple books later, five sixteen. rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Matt, why do we rejoice or why should we rejoice? Here's, here's why we rejoice. Our circumstances change, but Jesus never changes. Our bodies are frail. Life is frail. Job security is false. <laughs> you know, these earthly possessions will burn up and go away. And when we put our hope and our trust and our joy in these things and they go away, it just rocks us emotionally. But here, let me, here's what I want you to walk out of here today with, is our circumstances are going to change. Everything in life's going to change. That's a guarantee. But Jesus, he never changes, man. He never changes. And that's why you can believe in him. You can take him to the bank. That's why you can abide in him when life is, is at its worst and your emotions are going crazy. It's why you can go to him and ask for help and say, God, I can't, I don't know how to deal with this. And it's why we rejoice, man. It's why we get all pumped up and excited. It's because he never changes, man. He never, ever changes. I want to close with, um, on Wednesday, I was, I was standing right here it was kind of an empty worship center. I was flipping through my notes and kind of prepping and looking at my slides and making sure I got everything right. My phone's just steady blowing up right here on the table. And I flip it over. I don't want to look at it because I'm like, I just need five more minutes, please. And I just got five more minutes to get, to get through this. And so sure enough, I get through it all. I flip it over. It was my mom. She says, call me urgent ASAP. She never does that. Call her. Dad had a stroke. 
My dad had a stroke right in the middle of me going through this message. And I'm like, God, come on, man. I don't need a real life example of this. I'm studying this, John. God, I know. Okay, I read it. I got the notes. See, I understand it. I don't need a real life situation. Um, So sure enough, I finish up and I hop in the car and drive down LaGrange. And man, the whole way, my emotions are just, you know. My dad's 74 years old. Never uh, the first medical issue, like healthy, man. I mean, just a rock. I mean, just, he's my hero. He is uh, the reason, a large reason why I'm even standing up here on the stage, man. He's been the most, the greatest example of Christ uh, that I could have ever asked for. And he is laying in the hospital on a bed right now. And so, sure enough, I was driving down and just going through it. I was like, all right, God, all right. You're testing me, but I choose to abide in you. I choose to stand. I don't let my emotions get the best of me. I do have emotions, and I feel that, but I stand in you. I abide in your love. God, I'm asking you for help because I don't know know what to do. You know? I don't know what to do, but I'm I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say, God, I need your help right now. And I'm also going to rejoice in you, Jesus, because you never change. Our bodies are weak and they'll fail us, but you never, ever, ever change. So I buzz down to LaGrange. Um, I get there, Pete Sugar, our LaGrange pastor, LaGrange campus pastor is there and praying with my dad. And he's just laying in the bed. He's like, Matt, I'm going to tell you what I've been studying. I've been studying rejoicing. You know what that means? And he just goes through rejoicing. I'm like, all right, cool, dad. You're just laying here on, on his bed, and he's sitting there talking about rejoicing, man. He don't care, you know. His joy is found in him, and he did have a mild stroke, um, but they did tons of testing, and everything's fine, and it's good. Uh, his brain, they didn't find anything in his brain or anything wrong with that or his heart or anything. You know, he was totally good and, and recovered really quick. He was cutting the grass yesterday, and uh, yeah, yeah, so that's good. He's also literally on a plane to Las Vegas today. So thanks, Dad. I just want to... son's preaching today, but just go to Vegas, have fun. No big deal. Blue Man Group's cool, but whatever. So, <laughs> no. They, uh, they've been playing this trip for a really long time, and so I'm just, I'm just blown away at God's faithfulness. And, and it's just... That's just life. It's just life. And, you know, we can, we can either allow hardships like that draws closer to Christ, or it even even can create a bigger and deeper distance from Christ. And we can run, man. Let me ask you this question. What are you actually going to run to? What what are you going to run to? What what can actually fulfill you? Guarantee you, everything that we've all, myself included, anything we've ever ran to in life, physically tangible that's not Christ, has always left us empty. Doesn't do it doesn't do it. Bow your heads with me. We're going to close. I just want you to take the next 60 seconds, okay? We're doing good on time. Don't, don't, don't worry. I want you to take the next 60 seconds. And I want you to go before the Lord and I want you to take everything that you're dealing with in your life And I want you to go through these four things. God, I believe in you. God, I put my faith in you. 
God, what I'm going through is the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life, but I choose to abide in you. God, I'm going to ask for help. I don't know. God, I'm alone. God, I feel lonely. I'm struggling with this, God, but I'm asking you for help. And God, I rejoice in you because you never, ever, ever change. Listen, it's, it's God and God alone that can satisfy our minds. He can satisfy our emotions, our desires. It's Him alone that knows us better than our, our spouses or even the closest person or friend that we have. It's Him and Him alone that can fulfill our needs and give us true joy. True joy is found in Christ and in Christ alone. may be in, in here with us today and you uh, you may not even have a relationship with Christ. You may be like, man, I honestly don't even know what you're even talking about or what all this is about. And here's what this whole deal is about, okay? Long time ago, God set this earth into motion. He created us. Sin came into this world, separated us from Christ, sent his son to the earth to die on the cross for us, for you and me, so we could have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about him surrendering our lives to him. He takes away our sin. We have a relationship with Jesus. In Romans, it says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And so I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want to give you that opportunity. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, you can pray in your own words something as simple as this. God, I am lost without you. God, I'm a sinner. God, I need you in my life. God, I surrender my life to you. God, you are now my Lord and my Savior. God, I no longer live for myself. But God, I live for you. God, I do believe that you were raised from the dead. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, I just want to do this real quick. If, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want you to throw your hand up in the air. We're not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that. Just throw your hand up in the air. If you surrendered your life to Jesus for the very, very first time, awesome man God's good (laughs) Father God I thank you for God this church and this, this series of looking at our emotions and God I thank you that we serve you I thank you that we serve a God who never changes Lord I'm grateful that we can come to you and ask you. I'm grateful that we can abide in your love. Lord, it is incredible that we serve such a loving and generous God. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.